Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey guys, it's Candice and Kayla and we are Directionally Challenged. Yeah, we thought we would have it all figured out by the time we were in our 30s. But surprise, we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> but that's OK. It is OK. It's absolutely OK. And I love <laughs> I mean, you know, I feel more and more empowered every episode we do <laughs> that it really is OK that we have nothing figured out. <laughs> You said that with such gusto, Kayla. I mean, just the gonads behind that (laughs) statement. It is okay. It's all okay. Um, Today, we're talking about motherhood, uh, specifically the fourth trimester. The fourth trimester is essentially the first six weeks after one gives birth. You usually hear about the first, second, and the third trimester. You don't always hear about that fourth trimester, and it's actually pretty important. Uh, Caleb, what was your fourth trimester like when you had Poppy? You know, it's funny. It was actually a fantastic experience. We really, I was able to go back to work. Tanner, my husband, and I felt really aligned. I felt really connected to my baby. It was really, truly a lovely fourth trimester for us. And it wasn't until I was out of the fourth trimester uh, that I felt like life got a little bit more difficult. But Candace, you are just out of your fourth trimester, right? I mean, how many weeks postpartum are you right now as we record this? Right now, 15 weeks. 
yeah. postpartum. So yeah. Josephine is a little over, is like three and a half months old. And this was a completely different experience from um, from the first, you know, 12 weeks after I'd had Florence. Florence was um, kind of what you just described. I was like, okay, I went back to work. It was crazy, but I made it happen. You know, Joe had to get back to work. And yeah, I had all this family come visit. You came out to visit Caleb three weeks in. Right. My family was in and out. Joe's family was in and out. Um, you know, it was we had our older girls. My stepdaughters were in school, getting them into the, you know, making sure they're getting to school every morning. And it just felt like high five. We did it. We muscled our way through that. But this time, <laughs> well, I realized looking back how exhausted I was. I was at work and I couldn't remember any of my lines. I was tired. I looked terrible. Thank God for a professional hair and makeup team. Um, I just, and not look terrible like I didn't fit into my jeans. You're not supposed to fit into your jeans after you give birth, right. in my opinion. Um, I just, I didn't look um, like I had like life in my body. You and weren't taking care of yourself. I was not taking care of myself. Um, so this time around was a little bit different. I've talked a lot about on this podcast, uh, we've talked about, you know, going through a pregnancy during a pandemic and how that really slowed a lot of things down <laughs> as far as I, I wasn't just like running around with friends and socializing. And, you know, I was really sat with myself and my body as a pregnant woman and, and what that meant emotionally and physically and paid way more attention to the experience of pregnancy. Um, I we interviewed Hayes Hawk, who is a doula on this podcast. She was my doula uh, during pregnancy and postpartum. And she had asked me uh, while I was pregnant, uh, just very casually. So are, are you guys interested in like a postpartum chef? And I was like, what? No, ew, what? That's crazy. Like, no, we're not fancy. That's like such a fancy thing. Like we're we're, we're just like postmates and it's fine, you know, and I'll, I'll throw some frozen casseroles in there. It's fine. And it wasn't until I realized how exhausted we were just cooking. You know, we have a family of five and and just trying to get food for everyone, you know, during the pandemic for breakfast, lunch and dinner and just, you know, preparing all these meals and the dishes that came with it. And I realized that that was kind of my attention at first was hiring a postpartum chef, you know, also, once I compared our grocery bills to, you know, what a, the a chef was saying, no, I can cook for a family of five with this amount. You know, it was it felt doable. And I remember being so scared to even say that out loud to like you mm -hmm. thinking like, oh, my gosh, this is going to sound so ridiculous and over the top. Well, one of the things I really love when talking about the idea of having a postpartum chef is not just is the food is such an experience. It's a healing experience. It's more than just shoveling, you know, any anything into your mouth. It becomes part of a ritual, which is going to lead us into our conversation that we're having today with our guest. But can you share with us the difference between the first time you had a baby and the idea of sitting and eating and taking care of your body and this second time with Josephine and what that experience was like? Oh, the first time was just eating whatever. The first time was, uh, you know, I I remember having family in town telling me how bored they were and like, let's get out. We got to get out. Like, let's go to brunch. And I was so panicked because 
I hadn't even figured out how to breastfeed Florence without a breastfeeding pillow. And it was so stressful. Um, And I did it. And I felt like I should be proud of myself because I did that. And um, and this time around, it really started with the intention of I just don't know if I'm going to have the energy or Joe is going to have the energy to feed our whole family while while I'm resting because we're also still confined to our house. And so that's why we initially and then we also didn't have a family plan as far as extended family being able to stay with us. You know, that that kind of ended up out the window, essentially. And we didn't know what was going to happen due to the pandemic about being able to have a support system. We don't have family that lives out here in California. So it just looked Mm -hmm. a little bit different. So we worked with this incredible um, chef. Her name is Amiko and she is a postpartum chef and she uh was born and grew up in Japan. She also trained in um, French cuisine as well, which sounded like very fun. You know, I was like, oh, this is going to be so fun. I just thought it was going to be fun and it felt very fancy until um, I came home from the hospital and uh, Hayes, our doula, who had recommended uh, Amiko to our family, had called Amiko and was like, they're on their way home. So Amiko was already safely in our house And coming home to this, all of a sudden, the whole house just smelled like a hug. Like, that's the only way I can explain it. And I just remember, like, coming in and sitting on the couch. And, like, Joe, you know, Joe had already told the girls, like, this is a really quiet place in the living room. Because we were all, like, none of us were leaving the house. We're all still in quarantine. Right. So we needed to really... I needed that space to be honored, you know, like it feels so weird to say, like, I needed them to honor the practice of being a new mother for me in order for me to have that space to comfortably do that. And they did. I'm so proud and like grateful to my stepdaughters and to Florence and Joe for giving me that space and really like lifting me up on this, like, maternal pedestal that I didn't realize how much I needed. But Amiko was there just cooking these amazing meals, like so many soups and broths and seaweeds and these root that so many Japanese root vegetables like Rankon was my favorite. Florence ended up loving it. Gobo burdock, which she used. It's kind of like this like long stick, like looking root. And you have to like crack it before you cook it. And but she would make lunch and dinner and all of a sudden you just realize like Joe was so relaxed because he could just take care of me while I was taking care of Josephine and Ava and Elise and Florence were so relaxed because they knew that they that there was food. They could like quietly come down and eat their lunch between school. And and the food is so nourishing mm-hmm. that everyone just took on that like collective sigh of relief of like health and wellness And so we were almost on this like postpartum journey together Mm. and it was so beautiful. And I'm just so grateful for that experience because again, we don't have other family that live here who would have been able to just be here for that. And then also we're all in a pandemic. So it's not like having friends come over to like make soup. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That doesn't exist right now. And I loved it. We unknowingly practiced the first 40 day, like the, the art of like sitting in and confinement. And I came out the other side of it realizing like, oh, this is like what a 
beautiful and important and significant experiences of family that will mm. always, we all re- like said collectively, like we've never felt closer to one another as a family. Well, and I love how unifying that experience was for you guys. And I'm so excited to sit down and talk to our guest today. Today, we are interviewing Han Oh. And after her third child, she birthed the company Mother Bees. It is inspired by the healing foods she experienced during her own regimen of a Chinese tradition of postpartum care that translates to sitting for a month. While the Western culture constantly promotes the idea of bouncing back, most cultures still recognize the need to take it slow after the birth of a child. Once she felt the restorative benefits of this, O wanted to pass them along to new mothers in her life. So she began cooking meals for them. And with some practical modern updates, she started a meal delivery service in Los Angeles. Her first book, The First 40 Days, is the perfect companion to the postpartum period. It's filled with her favorite meals and snacks and a few self-care rituals for good measure. O encourages this moment of rest as a time to align with the new rhythms of the body and shift the period of postpartum towards a state of much needed pampering. Without further ado, here is our lovely conversation with Han O. Han O, thank you so much for joining us today. I am three and a half months postpartum with my second child and have learned a lot this time around uh, coming off of not only a pandemic pregnancy, but um, going through my postpartum while still being within a pandemic. And luckily, I had a, a doula that I was working with who we've also interviewed on this podcast. Her name is Hayes Hawk. And she, while I was still pregnant, uh, started asking me about whether or not I wanted a postpartum chef. And have I thought about, you know, how I'm going to nurture my body? Like, postpartum. And I was like, what are you talking about? That's so crazy. And she was the first person who mentioned your book to me. And so it is truly, um, we're really excited to be able to sit down with you today. So I I know that you have three children mm-hmm. and, yes. and they were very different experiences postpartum. Um, but I would love it if you could share with our listeners your first child that you had, what that experience was like, um, your postpartum experience. Right. Okay. Well, thanks for having me on here. Um, so my first one, she's almost 18. So this is almost 18 years ago. It's kind of, uh, kind of crazy to think that, but, um, but yeah, no, 18 years ago I was in a complete, um, I had no idea what was going on, you know, because also back then we didn't have all this information and doulas floating around and, and postpartum care and, you know, prenatal and, you know, and I just didn't know. And I just had moved back from London then. So I was, you know, six months pregnant, um, moving back to LA and my family, you know, they live in Northern California. So they're acupuncturists. I've always known about postpartum care, but in like the sense of, well, yeah, you know, other Chinese families do it. I'm Chinese, but you know, I'll kind of wing it (laughs) and I'll sort of, make it happen. So, um, you know, first birth happened and, you know, my aunt came down from California, from Oakland and she was just like, she just pretty much took over my whole kitchen and she brought like pots and bags and, you know, frozen, you know, bones and all sorts of things to like wrap dumplings and make soups and teas. And she was just hustling in the kitchen for weeks. 
And, um, and I just let her, <laughs> I just let her. Cause I just, one, I believe her. I believe in her. I trust her. You know, she's the acupuncture. She's, you know, she's, um, she's just full on Chinese. So I'm just like, you know what, you just cook and I will just eat whatever you make me. And, uh, that was a very blissful experience because, you know, she was doing that while I was just like fumbling, really fumbling breastfeeding. I had no idea. It was the hardest thing for me. It was painstakingly hard for a good six months. And, um, and I had to stop then too, because I just literally was in tears almost every day because I just didn't know how to breastfeed. So she took care of the nourishment side, but yet I had my own um, stress anxiety, you know, about the other side of just mothering. Right. It's such a huge transition to go through. And you, I'm not going to butcher the name. I'm going to ask you to pronounce Mm -hmm. the Chinese postpartum tradition, which translates into sitting a month. Um, can you give us the correct pronunciation of that? Yes, it's a uh, So it's like and then means sit and then means month. Right. And so the idea is that you sit for a month and who introduced this to you? And can you take us through what this really means? Because it's so the opposite of what we think in Western culture when it comes to postpartum. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, dual years has been around for centuries. You know, it's like the um, if you look back in the um, the old medicinal studies of Chinese medicine, like um, postpartum care and dual years has always been a very um, um, centered piece of care. Um, you know, fertility, pregnancy is all really important, but then they really highlight um, postpartum, and it's like the practice to do. If you don't do it, then you know, A, B, and C, and D, and E will happen or could happen. And um, so I've always sort of like heard about it as like whispers in the family of aunts and uncles kind of talking about it. And then, um, and yeah, you're right. You know, it's never been talked about or discussed or introduced in the Western world. You know, if you do travel to other countries like India or South America or, you know, Africa, I mean, they do have their own traditional practices and at the end it's somewhat similar you know to what we are what we need to get to you know for that care now i remember after my first was born feeling pressure to go out to brunch with family you know like two weeks postpartum like well we're come on let's let's get out then that means that you're healed and you're doing well like that's a positive sign if you're out and about in the world And now having a completely different experience the second time around of actually just being able to be home and let my body heal and let myself heal and just be connected with this baby. And and it was a like I realized how necessary that time of just sitting and being was. But it's just crazy to me, like how often it's thought to like you to get out of the house with a newborn within a couple of weeks to show society like, look, I've made it. I can do it. Like, hear me roar. And actually how that can be um, exhausting and, and run you down. Absolutely. And it, it just it happens so often. And, you know, we do, you know, as as a new mom, you do have spurts of energy and you feel like, oh, you know, you do want to go out and get some air and kind of like, 
test the wheels out of like how it is to be a new mom with your little baby. And it's so cute to have your little bundle out and with the stroller and the whole gadgets and everything you've been accumulating all the way throughout. And you want to like come out with all, all the above, right. And all the baby shower gifts and, um, and, but yeah, you sort of like, it's like, it's like you kind of like, um, skip the idea of, um, of what your body is experiencing and what the internal self is happening down there and inside. And, um, we often do this, you know, we do this with periods. We do this with, you know, with just our own emotions. Like we often like, sort of like, Oh, you know what? It'll be fine. You know, it'll be fine. I'm strong. I'll deal with it. I'll move on. You know, that's common. (laughs) Right. And so did you, Han, did you sit for a full month with each of your children and and practice this? Well, the first one I I did, you know, you know, in the old and traditional ways, they do say not to shower, not to take baths, not to uh, even open a door or a window because there's no cold air on you. And um, no cold drinks, right? Nothing, no cold nothing drinks, cold, nothing cold, nothing cold during pregnancy, nothing cold during, you know, nothing cold in general cold drinks are really like not really they're not really you know except for like boba which is i think new it's not the traditional drink um the boba drink um but um but like um room temperature to hot is always preferable for the body especially during postpartum so um i did because you know luckily you know we had a home business so we were just starting out as like a new family as new business we were just you know we were all home (laughs) so um that made it a lot easier you know i wasn't literally in bed the whole time but you know i was just moving from a to b to c to back to a so it was just a little you know little circle for our listeners who who don't know the exact practice, just so you guys are up to speed with us. Traditionally, the mother is not supposed to bathe or shower or even really go outside. And um, you you had said that she's supposed to sit there with socks and a hat and just (laughs) no cold drinks, not be cold at all. And really her her only job is to heal and be there for the baby. All the household chores can be done by anyone else. And this this strikes me because that is why we have family to help us through these times, right? And so one of the benefits of being a postpartum mother in quarantine is you are able to sit and heal. Um, But then there's also this element of what if you don't want other people in your house and then you have all these chores to do as well. It's, It's kind of this weird juxtaposition. Candace, I know you went through this just recently and you were able to kind of sit and really just be with your baby was there a big difference between your two babies and having one in quarantine and one not mentally physically emotionally all of that for you for me yeah I mean it it was I um look we're also in a position we were able to hire um people to help us you know we don't have family here and you know kind of the family plan of what we would have had as far as help from family wasn't um, didn't really pan out. So um, we, we, you know, had to trust the people that were coming into our home. Um, but Han, I find it so interesting that I had this kind of experience of being able to, you know, sit in confinement with my second child. And then my first child was very chaotic right after she was born. Mm-hmm. And where you had just come off of this practice of being able to sit with your first and then your second and third child 
you didn't necessarily experience that, right? No, it's true. You know, the second, you know, I didn't have my aunts come down and the third, I definitely did have my aunt come down. So the second, um, you know, again, we were growing our home business and we were all just at home and, um, and, you know, I, I got pregnant fairly soon after. So, you know, my kids are, my two daughters are, you know, they're, they're 22 months apart. So I had three kids within five years. So um, the second baby, you know, I gave birth at home and I felt like the next day or so I sort of swaddled her up and I went into the home office and start working. And um, I just, you know, I just felt like I've done this. I could do this. And again, like, you know, again, back then I was still sort of on my own and I didn't really reach out to my family. I don't remember what really happened, but I felt like, you know, I was a little bit more independent then. So I didn't, I didn't um, have that same care, but it, it did boomerang back, you know, during my last birth and I did get sick uh, for a whole month. And um, I was pretty much in bed with, you know, a bad sinus infection right before I gave birth to him. Were you feeling run down at that point? Did you feel like you weren't checking in with your body and with yourself and maybe in taking on too many things at once? Is that what you attribute it to? Yeah, it was chaotic. You know, I think we were even trying to, we were renovating the house and we had a puppy then. And then we had our second newborn and I was pregnant again. And I was like, and it was just one of those things like, you know, I do hear a lot of families needing to move house before they give birth. Um, and um, in in old traditional like um, methods, you know, moving house, you know, definitely is not on on the task list um, and moving of such grandeur of physical action isn't isn't on the list um, so yeah we had everything and we had this in this very active puppy you know and <laughs> and who was chewing onto the walls and just it was kind of it was more chaotic and you know again like having a toddler and then we had help in the house with my toddler and the toddlers um, so I help I had help with them luckily because it it was uh, starting to get a little bit just the whirlwind of what was happening was it was going so fast. And um, and I was just like, oh, my God, I'm pregnant again. And like, oh, my God, I'm going to give birth again. Like, oh, my God, I'm pregnant again. It's just like constant waves of that. And then I didn't have a moment. I just didn't know how to have a moment for myself. I just didn't like, you know, put myself in my own room and give myself a big time out. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. was writing the first 40 days kind of a moment of reflection on those different periods of time for you? Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, um, that came on in 2014. So I gave birth in my last birth in 2008. So, you know, this is many years later. And I proposed the idea to my friend who is my co-author, Emily Grieven, who has written a few books. And I asked her and I said, you know, what happens if we write my first book as, you know, a book about postpartum. And, and she just didn't think that it was like a trendy idea. She didn't think it was going to be sexy. She didn't think it was going to be interesting enough. So um, two years later, I approached her again. I said, you know, I'm like, knock, knock, you know, <laughs> what do you think about this idea about postpartum? Um, because it really, it really like, it was really like my, my foundation of my sort of like the idea of, the idea of like, wow, this piece is really, really missing in, in our society. And 
and it's a humongous piece that, you know, and I see this huge gap of health amongst women. And um, I see so much care outside, especially in Asia, you know, with all the luxury consignment hotels and that I've, you know, been to, I mean, it's out there and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's expensive and it's, and they really invest in this time. And when you see that care versus um, no care, <laughs> which what I also had experienced, you know, that's a humongous gap. So I'm like, there's gotta be something in the middle where one doesn't have to pay up to 50,000 a month and, and versus, you know, if they can humbly just receive help from one person, you know, it could be anybody that they could trust in their home or, you know, online, you know, visits now. Um, so I'm just like trying to like bridge the bridge the gap here. Now, you've researched postpartum traditions all around the world for this book. What are some of the unifying factors that you found? Yeah. So wherever I would sort of like just even go and travel, I would just go and sort of like ask a auntie, an old elder or a grandmother. Um, and it would always get be translated, but I would always ask them or anybody who's holding a baby, I would just like go up and ask them like, you know, what did you eat after birth or what were you fed or what was your practice? And the, um, you know, most of the cultures, you know, they, yes, they do live with their family. You know, they do have, you know, they either live in-house or very close by, which is like right next door. Um, so they're not, the moms are not, they're asking for help. They're not, you know, they're saying, hey, I just had a baby. Like everybody knows (laughs) this mom will be having a baby. Everybody knows in the community that, you know, there's going to be a new rival. So everybody sort of pitches in without the mom, like, you know, being frightful and asking for, you know, some help. Um, So it is for me, what I've noticed is that it is just a way of life for them, which is so beautiful. You know, they move graciously as like in India, they move from like life to death and then back to life. You know, it's just like they roll into, you know, into the, the life experiences um, without really any of the gaps. And so, you know, the special foods, you know, I remember being in, I I was like in this, um, in this Ananda spa in like the Himalayas in India. And I was like laying on the table and I had two masseuse um, like working on me. I like chose a Tibetan spa massage and, you know, they're like chanting, they're pouring oils on, they're like doing their like, I don't know, symbols like this, like they're just like, it was such a beautiful experience. And then I remember at the end, I'm like asking them about what kind of food would they eat after postpartum, like after birth. And they would all share, like they would all share because they're all very excited about this time. And it's always like, you know, saving um, a special, you know, you know, making a special treat or saving a special animal or, you know, something that's that's ceremonious to that time. And, um, and that's the part that I really love is that it's so beautiful and also in depth. And it involves everybody. And um, and there's just not one linear way. It's very mm-hmm. circular and very like just, you know, organic. And it kind of just flows and dances really well. And it um, and I think, you know, and I think at the end, I'm, I, I think that it would just make the mom feel so good and so cherished. You mentioned hotel confinement. Do you mind explaining to our listeners who maybe have never heard of that before what that is? 
Absolutely. So it is, you know, I first um, experienced it on my trip to Shanghai um, when I was uh, researching the book. And I was, you know, researching and researching and asking about, you know, some postpartum um, hotels to visit. And I've known of them, um, but I've never really been in one. And, you know, I, I speak Mandarin, but it's not the best. You know, it's actually pretty kind of poor, but I can understand a lot of it. Um, so I got into this postpartum hotel and I arrive and there's, you know, concierge and there's, you know, marble and there's security and there's, you know, and um, I just, I couldn't get very far because one, my Chinese wasn't that great <laughs> to get myself through. So I was basically like circling the lobby because they, you know, because it's so highly secure that they didn't let me visit any rooms or even see the, you know, the kitchen or see anything more than the lobby. But, you know, I got, I had a little glimpse, you know, the lady at the lobby um, gave me a description of the hotel. And I think that one cost, I don't know, maybe 10,000, maybe um, to maybe 15 a month. And this is in Shanghai. So basically, you know, there are these like standalone hotels that have 24 seven care of, of like medical doctors, of acupuncturists, of chefs. And most of the times the moms, the babies obviously stay right after birth. So from like the hospital, they get transported to these hotels. Um, the partners, they don't normally stay. They just come and visit and toddlers just come and visit very, you know, siblings come and visit, um, but they, they don't stay. So it's really about the mom, the mom and baby in this particular hotel, they get, you know, um, massages, they get, you know, acupuncture, they, the, the baby gets um, water, like they're swimming in water, right? So they have the water therapy um, and pretty much, you know, they have night nurses, you know, the, the, the nurses there are feeding, you know, the babies. So basically the mom is there resting for up to a month to six weeks. And so um, later on, I've read that, you know, these hotels can go up to, and go from like, you know, 1500 to 50,000 a month. And just hearing about that just makes me think like, oh my God, the investment that one puts into during postpartum care is so grand for one, but also they just know that this is like an investing into a house pretty much. It's like, it's a mortgage for some people. Right. Mm -hmm. So the idea of that is just like, it's mind blowing. How, just how much, how much just needs to get done and how much that needs to be supported for the new mom. Yeah, um, that's so, the value that they put on that fourth trimester and on postpartum yeah. care. That's how important it is. It is. That's how important it is. Absolutely. That's, you know, Asia, you know, um, I don't know how, how that would work here in America um, in terms of saying, hey, you know what? You can't go home, but you have to go to this hotel. I mean, I think a lot of moms might like it, but then they'll like their independence of going back to their home and, you know, spreading out and feeling like no one's watching them. You know, obviously in Asia, you have a lot of help and a lot of people watching you and being around you. So there's a lot of people. Um, so that's a different culture. There's, there's, I think there's, there's pluses and minuses on all sort of services wow. and it's about creating your own, what you personally can receive and, and, uh, and not feel too overwhelmed. <laughs> right. Right. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. 
would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. Because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now, I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae, and they are both so (laughs) delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. 
with so many sample packs, new products. It's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGED right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. back it's funny as you're saying all of this the one thing i'm realizing is how many of my friends who've had children where the first topic of conversation that revolves around postpartum care or just a postpartum life is oh when are you going back to work what, what's the plan for like getting back into work like that's mm-hmm. usually the conversation for most women i feel um working women especially of just well, when, when do you go back to work? When does your partner go back to work? What is that going to look like? And and not really taking the time to celebrate the, the whole experience of bringing life into this world. And now we're starting to see, I mean, I'm so encouraged by, I don't know if you guys have seen Nike just released a new ad um, over the last week. And it's with female athletes and and that are mothers and who are pregnant. And it's very beautiful. And it's honoring the fact that like, bringing life into this world is, is an achievement mm-hmm. <laughs> and a sport within itself. And mm-hmm. um, it is wild to me that with all the idea of like organic baby lotions of the world and, you know, and how, and everyone's talking about meditation and slowing down still when it comes to pregnancy and postpartum care uh, that is a part of the conversation that's usually lacking. Like never have I sat down and been like, what are you wanting to do for yourself as a mother when you're at home with your baby? And how are you going to nourish your soul? And why aren't we having these conversations, especially when globally, it seems like that is a conversation that is very normal and welcoming to have. Right. Yeah, no, it's also true. I definitely do want to give, you know, props to women that need to go back to work and, you know, their partners as well. You know, there's there's the uh, the real struggle out there that, you know, um, there's no other option. You know, they can't afford a night nurse. You know, they don't have the family around. They just have to. So I completely understand that, you know, and um, so I, I, I hear that, you know, of uh, um, the majority of our families in that predicament, um, in that situation. I think, I think it really comes down to us. One, we are not selfish. You know, we're not guilty for taking some time out for ourselves. You know, it's not a luxury, um, you know, because there's always a little guilt when you're like, you know, I'm going to go to the spa and get like one hour, maybe 45 minute massage. Like, can you handle the baby for, a, you know, at least maybe one hour or one hour and 16 minutes, you know, and then you kind of like run down to your car and you scramble in, you're just like a little messy and you got breast, breast milk, you know, on your shirts and you're just like, <laughs> I'm going to run out, you know, but I'll be back, you know, and, um, and there's, there's some guilt attached to that. You're just like, you're just like, oh, can I do it? Will my baby okay? Like, Will my baby miss me? Will my, you know, partner like go up the house? I don't know. Something could happen without being <laughs> like an hour. So, um, so we have all these stories attached to us not being part of that picture. And I think it's like one trusting that 
everything and everybody and your partner and your baby, like everybody is okay. (laughs) Even if you step out, even if you step out into your room or in the bathroom or, you know, in the bathtub for, you know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, several times a day, you know, I think that's what I've also learned from having three kids and the dog and just having everybody in house. Like I found all these like nooks and crannies in the house (laughs) and um, I was just like, sort of like go in there and like close the door and kind of hide and just, (laughs) just, (laughs) yeah, because like, it's chaotic. You know? Yeah. You're it's cool. important to have yeah. your five minutes yeah. piece. It yeah. is. It's important to take your time. And and I remember growing up, there is a book called five minutes piece that my mom gave us as children so that we could understand that sometimes mom just needs five minutes piece. And I, re- I remember her implementing that. And even as you're saying this, I'm thinking to myself, why have I not done that yet? Why have I not trained my daughter and children to come that mom needs five minutes piece? Just take take time for you so that you can be a better mom. And that really comes into play with this whole idea of taking time from for yourself during postpartum from the beginning. And it's teaching others as well as ourselves that we need to put ourselves first. I really want to talk to you about the idea of the dietary uh, postpartum, because that's such a huge factor in the first 40 days. And I love it so much because it really is the opposite of what we are taught in Western culture. The goal of the eating plan isn't to return to the pre-pregnancy body at all. It's just about going through a transition into a period of time of acknowledging that there is no going back, that there's only going forward. Can you talk to us about this transition into the new chapter and how the diet aspect correlates with it? Yeah, it goes hand in hand. You know, the diet component is obviously a lifelong experience, right? You know, we focus on, you know, fertility, pregnancy, and postpartum because that's, you know, been my focus. But yes, you're right. You know, transitioning into a postpartum body is um, something that we just don't know how we're going to come through and come out of. We don't have an image. We might think we have an image of someone else's body, but we don't know how our body is going to react to birth. And it's all really super okay because it is sort of like a rite of passage, right? Um, and also with with breastfeeding, um, if one chooses to breastfeed, there's just so much that is going on. That's why I've always said, you know, it's not about going back to the body that, you know, one used to be because if you think about like what happens during breastfeeding, the glands like, you know, enlarge and like, you know, it's just like everything changes. And so you do need the proper fats and you do need the proper liquids and the warmth to really make more blood, you know, which translates into breast milk and more blood also translates to, you know, better circulation and better flow through the body. So your gut and your brain is, you know, is connecting And um, so it just also deters from sort of like, just like, you know, the bumps of the blues or, you know, might translate to like depression, you know, if it's not sort of handled or caught, you know, early enough. And also, you know, I do know that, you know, with what our gut health needs, what our, you know, vaginal biome needs, like, you know, what our breast milk needs, like we all just need you know, the foundation, let's say like, if it's like a bone broth, you know, it's the broth of like, let's say like what, what a bone broth means to me is it's not just a bone broth. Like it's a symbol to me of, of healing, of nourishing, of, of slowing down, of sipping something hot, 
you know, of really like kind of like um, if you close your eyes and you sip it and you're just like, oh, my God, this feels so good. And my body needs it. And my I know that my body needs it. My joints will love it. And, you know, my gut is going to be so happy. And, you know, like everything is involved in like kind of cheering you on. And that to me is more than just, you know, sipping on my breath, you know, like there's more to food and there's so much like, like messages that you could put into food that I like to instill into the food and, you know, the food that, um, you know, I used to make all the food for moms, right. And that's how mother bee started. And, um, and also it was a very hard time in my life because then I became a single mom after my third child. So I just came up with the idea. I'm like, okay, you know what, now that this is happening, um, I'm going to start making food for new moms. And, um, and I just start turning it around and I just was making all this food. And, um, and, but when I was making it, I would put messages in the food while I was making it. I'm like, you know, more breast milk, more, you know, more love, more support, like whatever it was for that particular mom, I would always like think about that message and put it in the food. I also really want to kind of breeze through the five insights for the postpartum mother that you've discussed uh, before um, in relation to uh, just the, the first 40 days and staying in. And now you and just starting with the word retreat and what that means for the first 40 days. Right. So retreat is pretty much like an internal and obviously an external retreat. You know, we start to, you know, create these nests around us, the closer we are to birth, you know, you create these like safe haven areas. So you just know that, let's say, for example, number one is your bed, you know, so around the bed, actual bed, you know, you create um, boundaries. And so you create these like you know, you're pretty much on your um, island that you're creating for yourself, you know, so then you, you know, sort of visualize what, like, if you're going to have a drawbridge, if you're going to have, you know, um, anybody that's going to come onto your island, like who that may be. So you start just retracting, not in the sense of like a negative isolation kind of sense, but yet it's like a invisible, um, healthy <laughs> boundaries, which one, you know, we're, we're never really taught that. Um, because maybe the models of our parents just, you know, that wasn't very healthy. I don't know. I'm kind of just talking from my own personal sense, but like I was never taught what boundaries were or what it was to say no to one, one person versus the other. So yeah, retreating is just like, you know, going inwards and then designing what your house structure will look like and who would come in and out. Which leads us to support. Um, mm -hmm. And we were actually before we jumped on the phone with you, uh, we were talking about, you know, what that looks like. And, and especially, you know, obviously navigating your support system in a pandemic world. But let's take the pandemic out of it and just, you know, postpartum support, how you would go about navigating that with family and um, and communicating what you need and um, what you don't want and, and maybe if family you if you think that family won't be able to support you in the way that you need them to how to politely excuse them from your postpartum experience yeah I kind of like envision that that single mom that's out there so I I don't want to assume that you know the the mother has a partner and has the in-laws and you know I don't want to always assume that the the whole family structure you know that we 
sort of and so I sort of like always imagine okay if there's a single mom out there that's you know going through you know um, new parenting on their own what that may look like and also you know then I start to like build on to the family of you know of the larger structure but you know I always say you know and one if they cannot if budget wise they cannot have the postpartum doula the night nurse the chef you know, the postpartum masseuse, like, which I had none of, by the way, zero of that. So I'm when you're when you're speaking to someone, I'm not a single mother, my husband and I raised the baby together, but we had none of that extra help. So I'm listening, I'm full, full, you know, you know, and I completely understand that position, too, because it's about like, you know, building each block one at a time. You know, you sort of like look back at it and you're kind of giggling. You're like, wow, I can't believe we did it that way. <laughs> or wow, we I can't believe the choices that we made, but we've survived and we made it through. We made it through on our own. We painted our own path. And there isn't one way for everybody. And that's the beauty of this, because culturally we're creating a new culture here, which, you know, I talk a lot about the Chinese culture, but yet it is just a model of what is being done like in Asia, but doesn't mean it has to be done here in America because I know it's it's not, you know, going to be. But we need more of it here. That's why we want to have this conversation with you. That's why we we need more of the Chinese mindset when it comes to postpartum. This I, I truly believe our Western culture is very difficult on mothers when it comes to you know, right. that that term we all hear bouncing back. I mean, that's not necessarily a term in Chinese culture. That's something we've created here. So we need yeah. to continue to have that. So please continue. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, I always say to, you know, if you do have a partner, awesome. If you don't have a partner or if you do or you don't, um, you know, ask for help, at least from one person that you believe right. and trust. You know, at least it's like one person, you're not going to be overwhelmed by thinking you have to have an entire team of people. Because if you have that one extra person that checks in on you, maybe it's once a day, maybe it's twice a week, maybe it's once a week, you know, however way, you know, your comfort level is, you believe that you have someone thinking about you and that you could reach out to. You know, I think that's the most important piece is knowing that you're not alone in this process. And, you know, I think being alone is also a choice. So, you know, you could nowadays, you could pretty much reach out to anybody and say, hey, you know what? I feel like I need some, like, I feel like I just need to talk to somebody. Right. That, that I think will be helpful already. And not, and again, I think that, you know, isolation is a choice, you know, um, especially nowadays when we have access to everybody and anything, you know, so there's a lot to unpack. There. <laughs> yeah. We've already mm-hmm. talked about one of the other insights, which is warmth and why that's important and the different ways in which we can get it, whether it's something physically that we're wearing or something that we're eating. But rest seems like such a simple <laughs> thing for mothers <laughs> to do when they're on their postpartum, that fourth trimester. And and we don't like obviously you're not getting sleep because of the baby, you know, but why we fight it so hard on just being able to sit there and and allow others to take care of us and why that's such a difficult concept to wrap our brains around in this period of time because you will be taking care of someone else for the rest of their life when you're a mother you know that is you will be very soon up on your feet and in a day-to-day and obviously you're changing diapers and you're feeding this baby and waking up constantly, but why it's so important to get your own rest and how to achieve that as a new mother. Yeah, that's a 
big, big deal because without the rest, and we are also, a lot of us, I think, are all um, sleep deprived, you know, especially if you're a parent. So, you know, as each year's add on, like the deep deprivation, just like, it just like wears and tears that tire. You're just like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm going to just keep on going. But um, you kind of forget that the tire is constantly losing a little bit of air throughout the time. With rest and lack of sleep, we all know that, you know, it could lead to, uh, you know, um, mastitis and, you know, dehydration. So it all kind of like tumbles, might tumble into something. Or if it's not mastitis, it might be something else. I feel like a lot of the um, the readers that pick up the book are sort of like our type A women who are just like, go, go, go. And they have the, the career, they have the um, motivation, they have the outline of what life will look like and should look like. The theme of rest is never really on a type A sort of schedule. <laughs> and yeah. I'm definitely, you know, I'm I'm definitely one of them. And that's why I suffered from my second to third, you know, um, postpartum. Um, so it's, um, I totally get like, you know, it's like, why sleep? Why sleep for 20 minutes when the baby sleeps? Like, why do that when, you know, I could do so much more when the baby's sleeping. And I think that's the idea of like, I'm needed elsewhere than here in, in my own body, because my own body is not really comfortable in staying in silence and staying in a place of rest. Yes. Which brings us to the fifth insight of, of ritual and embracing that as well. That, you know, embracing the rest, especially for someone with a type A personality, which Kayla and myself also have. So we yeah. totally get that. We understand. <laughs> <laughs> but embracing this, I, I heard you speak about like kind of embracing this idea of ritual, you know, something as simple as like the redundancy of changing a diaper. But instead of like the idea of it being redundant, it's more of like the ritual of it and kind of embracing it in that way, which is really beautiful and quieting. And and um, and those moments go so fast, you know, it's like the days are long, but the weeks are short. And so um, could you kind of expand a little bit more on why the idea of ritual is so important and there's in those first 40 days and even beyond that? I, I, try and tempt this, you know, on a daily basis, even for myself, you know, even with teenage kids. So ritual to me can be any sort of extra care and extra thought that you do for yourself. Because you have to remember that you're modeling yourself of self-care for your, um, with your child witnessing you as well. So whatever you do, your actions, your thoughts, your words, your feelings, your child, your baby is, is picking that up. And you're modeling that for them. So um, any sort of like, you know, if you close your eyes for five seconds and take a deep breath, that's, I feel like that's a ritual. You know, you can create rituals and how you uh, prepare your, your breast and your nipples and how you clean with a cloth and you can like get a warm, damp cloth and sort of like wipe your, your breast and like massage it and, you know, and prepare yourself for the next feeding. I feel like that could be a ritual or you, you know, you visualize how the milk will come through. I feel like that could be a ritual. Like, I feel like there's little tiny rituals that we are probably doing already, you know, and we are just like, we can kind of like, just like highlight them and say, you know what, I'm kind of, I'm doing this for myself and I love myself so much that, you know, I want to create um, more of this on a daily basis because it just feels so good that, that I'm celebrating myself. You know, I'm lighting that candle, taking a bath, I'm doing a foot, you know, soak, I'm 
you know, sitting in peace for, you know, two minutes. And I love like setting a timer on my phone and, you know, doing the quiet sort of like closing eyes, meditation, breathing, you know, visualization, like all sorts of whatever you want to call it. But it's just like timed melting and closing your eyes and just like melting in your body. What a powerful way to take control of your own schedule and your own day to day is to understand that like if you have to do something, you might as well see it in this aspect of a ritual or taking time out of your day to take time for yourself. And it's really empowering to think that instead of letting the chaos of the day control us. I love that. Yeah. And, you know, if you can schedule calls, if you can schedule Zoom meetings, if you can schedule all this, you can schedule at least. And I start off with, you know, two minutes for new um meditators, right? So let's say you can schedule two minutes on your phone, on your calendar <laughs> and set it on a timer and just set that on a timer because you know that you don't want to go to three minutes. Three minutes is way too much. <laughs> so let's start with two minutes here. <laughs> and so if you can schedule everything else, you can schedule that moment, you know, that that minute for yourself. And it's just going to start gradually, gradually like roll into um, just more and more for yourself. And what's better experience than that? You know, and I think it's everything. I think it's everything part of life, especially being a, a mother and, and again, modeling for your children because your children will react so quickly and evolve so quickly of how, you're, how you are as a mother. And as soon as a mother receives healing work or energy work or any sort of work on herself, their child will like, automatically switch to a different person. I think it's it's funny. I, I realized I wanted to ask this question at the beginning, and I think it's actually um, okay that it's more towards the end because I really want any new mother or anyone, you know, who, anyone who wants to have a child in the future or thinks that that might be a chapter within their own life and their journey, but why that first 40 days is so important. Right. I mean, you know, from the traditional Chinese medicine method is that because, you know, we believe that everything is wide open, you know, your pores are open, you know, your your reproductive, you know, region is open and it needs like visually, like conceptually it's open. And we just all need to, I think the idea of like, like binding and going inwards and confining yourself and closing, you know, your body up. So it just, you know, goes inwards for that warmth is the idea. The idea is not to um, be vulnerable to um, ailments down the line. And especially if you want, you know, more children. And so they say that, you know, this is the, again, this is the opportune time for the 40 days and plus, you know, we do know that, you know, it's, it's, it could go to, it could go up to two years if one needs, you know, I have a lot of moms say, you know, I'm 42 days. Can I still, you know, buy your book? And I'm like, yeah, I think you're safe. You're good. Um, but it's, again, it's the concept, you know, I just know that by six weeks, it was a humongous turning point for me. You know, physically, I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm like a whole new person and I could walk a little bit more. I could, you know, I could have an extra hour of just like being a little bit more energetic in my day. So I felt like it was a huge turning point that six weeks and it happens to be around the 40 to 42 days mark. So if I look at my own physical experience and hearing about 40 days, 42 days, so from birth to this period is so sacred. If you, you know, look at that 
very short span of time. So then you start to like dissect it and pull the layers off and you start to say, okay, you know what? Yeah, this is what the mom's body is going through and this is what she needs to heal it. Right. It's interesting going through pregnancy for the first time. My husband and I were so focused on taking care of the baby. What's the baby going to need? Do we have all the gadgets? Do we have all the books? Do we have everything we need to take care of this baby? And then it wasn't until after I gave birth that both of us realized, oh, wait, I, as the mother, I'm going to need time to heal. I'm going to mm-hmm. need time to do to go through. You know, Candace and I were talking about before we hopped on with you, how some people take more time to heal from knee surgery than they do mm-hmm. to go through postpartum and understanding and acknowledging that the first 40 days or, you know, up to two years, like you said, is such a key time for the mother to try to heal. And it really was such a foreign concept until we had gone through it. And then now, since we're having this conversation with you, I feel completely more well equipped for when that happens again in our lives. So thank you. (laughs) I do hear of mothers saying, hey, you know what, I didn't I didn't do this. What can I do? You know, and I, mm-hmm. I feel a little bit of guilt there um, and she just didn't have that opportunity. She didn't maybe know about it as much then. And I do always say, you know, I do always say like, you know, you can, there's always ways to incorporate, you know, some sort of postpartum care throughout, you know, if, if she's a year in, you know, after birth or two years, you know, I feel like there's, again, it goes back to the rituals. And goes back to self-care. And you can then sprinkle that on throughout your days. Or you can you can have this like mini self-care, postpartum care when you have your period, let's say. And I think that's a really beautiful way. You know, old traditional way, Chinese saying, they have said, they said, you know, if you didn't really have the full experience, have another baby. <laughs> and that's what <laughs> their, like, their answer is. Kayla, Kayla. <laughs> oh gosh, should I get my husband on here? I yeah. need him to hear it from get you. Get Tanner in the room. <laughs> we'll, we'll mute We'll mute the Zoom call. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I say to have another baby so you can have like the full experience, a fuller experience of confinement and you could heal yourself that way too. But again, if that's not an option, then you can have these little mini like retreats. <laughs> right. We have so many friends, including Candace, who've just had babies. I'm so inspired to go through your book and see the recipes and make them these nourishing, healing things and then maybe keep some for myself as well. So we can all go through this together, no matter what stage we're at. And I can imagine even if you, some of our listeners aren't at the stage in their life yet where they are going to have a baby, but it's so nice Mm -hmm. to even just do something like that for yourself in general and start the rituals now so that it is a practice when you are in that moment in life. Han, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, where can our listeners find you on social media if they want to keep up with you? Yeah, so I am on Instagram. That's my um, that's my platform, and I'm at Mother Bees. Um, that's B E E S. So, and then motherbees.com is uh, my website. So, you guys make sure you check out all of her fun stuff. And Han, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing this wonderful wisdom on us as women, so we can feel so empowered. We appreciate it. Oh. Thanks for having me, ladies. It's so funny because I'm looking back now and realizing how much pressure I felt to bounce back after first giving birth to Poppy. 
And I didn't realize it until we've now just started this discussion and how much of that is influenced by our Western culture and by social media and by everyone. And if had I had the chance to just allow myself to truly go through this transition we've been talking about with Han, I feel like my postpartum journey would have been completely different. And I'm excited for the next child to have transformed my mindset to go through this in a completely different way. I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited for you. I'm not pregnant, by the way. I feel like I need to just specify this. (laughs) This is not something that's happening because of this. This is just a conversation we're having. (laughs) No, I'm truly excited for you. And I honestly believe like had there not been a pandemic, I would have carried on exactly how I did when I was, you know, pregnant and after I delivered Florence, because that's kind of all I knew. And, I, and I'll be honest, I did not feel that I had like understanding from some family, like explaining why this was so important on wanting just to be um, quietly like I didn't want to be on my phone. Even I just mm-hmm. wanted to hold and be with my baby and sit on the couch with my family and just not move. And the only thing I, I mean, as Han referenced, like rituals, like for me, that yeah. ritual became like a bath, like either whether it was like a little like or a shower every day for like just a couple minutes or um, like instead of a massage, it was like I had nail polish that I'd be like, I just want to sit for like 45 minutes and paint my nails. Like those are like my little <laughs> personal rituals that right. I had that are really important. And also you know, to Han's credit saying that, yes, not everyone has the choice of sitting and and resting. And so many mothers have to, you know, get back to work, which is a whole other podcast episode. I think we could have an entire different, like a whole other podcast episode dedicated to how the U.S. qualifies maternity leave and like what that means and and the absurdity of how short that time period is allotted. But I'll never forget that experience of just, Mm. you know, sitting. And that's why I just felt like it was so important. And that you don't obviously, not everyone has someone who can come and like cook meals for them. I completely understand that. But even just recognizing and like stopping to think like, what can I put in my body that's going to nourish me and make me feel good? Whether like something as simple as soups, you know. Well, and that's why you can buy Han's book, The First 40 Days, and make some of the bone broth recipes she has in there and the teas. I'm inspired to do that. I'm not even in postpartum. And I'm going to open this book up on this rainy day and think maybe I can, you know, do a bone broth or something interesting just to nourish myself and my family. So it really it's it's beneficial no matter where you are in your life. We'll put links in our show notes for Han's book, The First 40 Days, The Art of Nourishing the New Mother, and also her book, Awaking Fertility, the Essential Art of Preparing for Pregnancy. Again, she is the founder of Mother Bees. So any new moms in the LA area um, or beyond, if you're interested in in ordering some of her broths or soups, uh, that is a service that they provide as well. And if anyone is in the LA area, I will also put uh, Amiko, the chef that we were so uh, grateful to be working with, who came into our family and and nourished us for 40 days. Uh, we will, I will provide her Instagram handle in our show notes as well. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Go nourish yourselves and your loved ones. And we will see you next week for another episode of Directionally Challenged. Bye.
Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Producer, Melissa DeMonts. Edited by Katrina Henning. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King. And advertising partnership with Acast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com